Tell my boss what's right. We come to Jesus and we treat him like he's just some great big judge in the sky. And his job is to tell everybody else out there how to treat us. And that's not his job. By the way, there's, uh, this last week I was listening to a preacher named Anley Stanley, ph- phenomenal preacher, and I loved what he had to say about the Bible. Sometimes, do you, use, do you see the Bible as a mace or a mirror? See, some people see the Bible as a mace. You remember that, that instrument they used to swing around and hit people with? That's what this guy's doing. Jesus' word, it's a mace. Bam, take that. Here's what you should do. Or is it a mirror? When you look to the words of God, does it reveal who you are? Or do you only look to the Word of God to find out things you should tell other people? Interesting. That's a whole other sermon, okay? I just thought you'd... There's a freebie for you right there, all right? All right. This is Jesus' response. Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And that's the thing I want you guys to remember as you're graduating. And then he told them this parable. Here we go. By the way, when he's talking about the greed... Do you ever wonder which brother is he talking about? The brother that won't share or the brother that wants his, I don't know. He doesn't specify. He just says there's greed going on here. And here's the parable. The ground of a certain man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. By the way, we'll stop right there. This guy is a good capitalist. In America today, we would have a party for him and we would give him an award. And we would say, that's what you should do. Because that's business, right? But God said to him, you fool. By the way, it's never good when God looks at you and says, you fool. Okay, that's your first indication. This isn't good. You're in trouble. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? And then he says this. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Let's answer those three questions. First of all, in this parable, who is God? That should be easy. Who's God? God, right? Yeah, okay. Now, who am I in this parable? Well, that's the question you're going to ask. Are you in this parable? Is this a good description of who you are? If so, we better take a look at our priorities. And what's the point? Well, that's what we're going to explore in just the next few moments. First of all, Graduates, I want you to understand this. Wealth and success are not bad, but they're dangerous. Now we're into your sermon notes. If you want to fill those in, that's fine or not. It's up to you. Wealth and success are not bad. Don't let anybody tell you that wealth and success are not compatible with the Christian life or with God. Wealth and success are not bad, but they're dangerous. Take a look at this. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. 
See, he's talking to a group of people that he's been leading through the wilderness for 40 years. They're about to move across the Jordan. They're about to move into the promised land. For 40 years, they've been relying on God every single day for their water, for their shelter, for their food. Now he's going to put them into the promised land, and when he does that, he's going to bless their crops. He's going to bless their herds. They're going to become prosperous. They're going to become wealthy. They will at one point be the richest nation on the planet. But he's giving them a warning. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and your flocks grow large, and your silver and your gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, and he does that, it's not bad, then your heart will become proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God promised he was going to bless them. He promised they would become rich. He promised that they would prosper. And he said, but it's the most dangerous thing I can do to you. As long as I kept you poor and dependent upon me, you followed me. But I'm about to give you riches like you can't even imagine. I'm about to take your education. I'm going to prosper you. And it's the most dangerous thing I can do for you. Because you're going to think you did it all on your own. You're going to get great riches. And when that happens, you're going to forget who I am. See, wealth isn't bad. Success isn't bad. But it can turn us bad. When we take our eyes off the giver and we put it on the gift. Remember that everything, that even your ability to learn, your father gave you that. I could introduce you to many people who came into this world without your abilities. They can't learn what you learned. It's not in them. You guys have been given an incredible gift. You got to learn. Our Father gave that to you. Now, He's going to take that ability and He's going to do incredible things with it. The danger, of course, will be that instead of looking at the giver who gave you this to say, thank you, Father, you're going to look at everything, you're going to look at the gift. And when you do that, you take your eyes right off the Lord. You see, here's what it comes down to. You have to keep your priorities straight. When Jesus was, was done with this parable, he teaches a little bit more. Okay? He goes on with a little bit more teaching, but he ends this whole time with them about keeping their priorities straight, because that's what this is really all about. It isn't about whether you're rich or you're not rich. It's about keeping your priorities straight, because he ends this whole, this whole thing with this sentence. Seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. In other words, look, keep your priorities straight. It's great to be successful. I hope you go off into college and into the, into the world, and you're incredibly successful. God has given you the ability to do that. But keep, I'm going to give you right now some of the best advice you're ever going to get. So remember this one, all right? Ready? Okay, this, remember this moment. Because I'm going, to, I'm going to give you the secret to life. Woo! You didn't think you were going to get that this morning when you came here, did you? Here it is, guys. Ready? 
The main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. Read that with me, will you? The main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. Now, let me tell you why that's the secret to life. You're going to get married one day, and you're going to, you're going to commit to your spouse. You're going to promise to love them. And the, the whole rest of your marriage is going to be about keeping the marriage the main thing because there will be so many things in this world that will take you away. So many things that will try to intervene. So many things that will, that will say, I'm the main thing. If you want to be married, you have to remember that your marriage is the main thing. You keep it the main thing. You're going to have children one day? Well, suddenly you become a parent, and guess what? Now it's about parenting. But there will be so many things that will tear the family apart. The secret in life is keeping the main thing the main. That's hard to do in a world that's trying to pull you all these different directions. In a world that tries to tell you that they're the main thing. How you look is the main thing. How much money you have is the main thing. How many people like you is the main thing. What car you drive is the main thing. It's all lies. Keep the main thing the main thing. And by the way, the very center of life, who's the main thing? Jesus. The main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus. And all of your life, there will be things that will try to tear you away. There will be things that will try to interfere. There will be things, good things, that will say, no, no, I'm the main thing. But it's not true. If the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you have, how are you going to keep things, how are you going to keep your priorities straight? Let's talk about that just for a moment. How do you keep your priorities straight? Ready? Here you go. First of all, guard against greed. All right? Don't be fooled into thinking that if, that if some is good, more is better. That's not always true. You have to guard against greed. There's something within us that, that kind of um, connects with greed. We resonate with it, you know? There's something inside of us that greed touches and it kind of blossoms into something that's, well, it gets in the way. This is what scripture says. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet whether he eats a little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. And then he says, I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owner. Boy, I hope God just blesses you guys. Matter of fact, I hope you get rich. That'd be wonderful. Unless it's going to destroy you, then I hope you stay poor. Because your soul is more important than how much money you have. If you can't handle wealth, I pray God keeps you poor your whole life so that you will stay true to him. You guard against greed. But then next, you have to do this. If you're going to keep your priorities straight, you understand that there's something in you that loves greed, but there's also this. You have to remember that you're a trustee. You don't own it anyway. You just don't own it. Anything that you're going to gain you don't know. We've already seen that this morning in what we call a baby dedication. Read this passage with me, will you? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. 
For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon... One more time so that you get this. Now, we read this. You can even put it on a little doily or up on your wall or something like this. But it doesn't sink in. And I want it to sink in. One more time. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded upon the seas and established it upon the waters. He built it. He designed it. He owns it. Everything and everybody, you won't own a thing your entire life. Now, you may be the primary owner of all the human beings on this particular planet. But God owns it all. Every dime, every stitch of clothing, every car, all of it. It's his. He lets you use it. And he may actually give you more than most people have. That'd be great. But don't fool yourself into thinking that you own it. It's his. You didn't come into this world with it. You won't leave with anything. The saying is there are no U-Hauls on the back of a hearse, okay? When you leave this world, you leave it all behind. It belongs to God. One more other way to, to keep yourself and your priorities straight is simply this. Stay connected to the needs of others, okay? First of all, you guard against greed. You know that there's something in you that, that resonates with greed. You accept your role as the fact that God is the trustee of all of this, but how about this? Stay connected to the needs of others, and I can't stress that one enough for you because that's how our Lord Jesus lived. Let me tell you something. I want to show you, um, this is the result of a study that was done in 2001. Let's take a look at that slide. In 2001, Independent Sector, a nonprofit organization, focused on the charitable giving and found that households earning less than $25,000 gave away an average of 4.2% of their income. Now, we teach tithing. We believe in giving. What was interesting is if you made less than 25000 you gave four point two. But then they studied people who made 75000 or more. You would think they'd be more generous. They have so much more money. This is what they found. Those with earnings of more than 75000 gave away 2.7%. 25000 or less, 4%. 75000 or more, 2.7%. Now, wait a minute. You mean these poor people gave away more of their income than the rich people or the well-off people? Yeah. Study after study after study has shown that. Now, why? Well, maybe because that wealth has made them greedy. That's possible and it's true. But the study went on from there. They found out why. They gave less because they lost their connection with the poor. People who lived 75,000 above, they lived in gated communities. They lived in nice houses. They shopped in the best stores. They never encountered the poor. They never saw the need except occasionally on television. They insulated themselves with their wealth. Where the poor people, I mean, they lived with the poor. They saw people who were hungry. They lived right next door to them. They gave because they saw the need. Because they proved it. Then what happened was, if they could take the rich people and connect them with the poor people, guess what? They got generous. They gave. 
If they took the poor people and insulated them so that they didn't see the other poor, they got greedy and they kept it. By the way, this is true of our faith as well. We, um, we accept the Lord Jesus Christ and we cut ourselves off from the people who need him. We live in little Christian communities and we get stingy with our faith. We stop sharing because there's no need that we see. This is how Jesus stayed connected. Take a look at this passage. When Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, Matthew, by the way, was a tax collector, a traitor, hated, and he's having dinner with them. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners, just to show you how they saw tax collectors, they were in their own separate category. There were sinners and there were tax collectors. That's how bad tax collectors were. They weren't even called sinners. They were lower than sinners. And he came and ate with him and his disciples. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why does he connect with these people? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. How do you stay connected to the needs of the world? And I hope it's not just through television. Where are you involved? Who are your friends? If you take the wealth, and if you take this knowledge, you take all these things that God is going to give you, and you insulate yourself, you will be far more prone to greedy attitudes. Because you just don't see it. You've got to do more than open your eyes. You've got to get connected somewhere with the people who need, the people who need finances, the people who need help, the people who need the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you're just so much more open to sharing. You see, I'm going to close this morning. We still have a couple minutes, but we're going to close with this. I'm going to give you three words of advice, all right? Except they're really not words of advice from me. They're words of advice from this guy right here. Isn't he beautiful? It's John Wesley. Good old John Wesley. 1703 to 1791. Okay? I wish I had his hair. I'd wear it like that if I had that much hair. (laughs) But unfortunately, I don't. John Wesley, of course, is the leader uh, and the founder of what we call the Methodist. And we are a free Methodist church. The difference between a Methodist and a free Methodist. Take our class and we'll explain it to you, all right? The reason it's called Methodist is because John Wesley, when he was first in college, before he really knew the Lord, by the way, he really didn't know him until later on. But when he was in college, he tried to know God through study. And he was very methodical in the way he approached his faith. He would get up at the same time, pray the same number of minutes, read so many scriptures. He was so methodical that he and his friends who followed this method were called Methodist. Oh, you're so smart. There you go. You get to heaven. There you go. They're called Methodists, and he founded the Methodist movement. But after he finished college and was a preacher for a while, in fact, that's when he met God. He actually was preaching and was a pastor before he really knew God. He knew him later. Changed his whole life. Changed his whole life. This guy changed a country. While the nation of France 
fell into revolution. The nation of England fell into revival. And it changed them. Incredible man. Lots of things that we could tell you about Wesley, and much of what we believe and teach comes from some of his understanding of Scripture. But he did teach three things that work today. Here's his three pieces of advice. First of all is this. Ready? Earn all you can. Now, does that surprise you that a preacher would say that? John Wesley believed that we as Christians should be the most productive people on the planet. After all, we know the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the understanding of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We should be able to earn. As a matter of fact, get ready for this one. John Wesley, as a preacher, in one year, earned the equivalent of $1.4 million. You don't pay me $1.4 million. I just want to get that clear, okay? This guy made the equivalent today of $1.4 million in one year. He did it because he preached 15 times a week. He wrote books, and he published and wrote pamphlets. This guy made a ton of money. And he believed it was good and right. I hope you make a ton of money. Unless it's going to kill you, and then I hope you're poor. Because I'd rather see you in heaven rich but that wasn't the only thing that he said what's the next thing that he said after earn all you can those of you who know the trilateral that's what it's called by the way the wesleyan trilateral don't you aren't you glad you came to church to learn that phrase someone says what did you learn today the wesleyan trilateral Ooh, okay what's the second part of the trilateral what is it save all you can what did he mean by save all you can you think he had great big bank accounts wrong you didn't have any bank accounts Save all you can doesn't mean put it in the bank. Save all you can is, that's the problem with with English language. It changes from generation to generation. We're talking about a generation that existed hundreds of years ago. Their concept of saving wasn't our concept of saving. His concept of saving was simply this. Spend as little as you can. Saving didn't mean put it in the bank. Saving meant be frugal. It meant, don't spend it on yourself. He believed in meeting your own needs, and he believed also in comforts as well. But he believed that it was right that when you made all this money, not to spend it on your own personal comforts. You spent enough to take care of yourself and your family, but you also realized God had given you this money to take care of all the people around you and all their needs. And you can't do that if you spend it all on yourself. God doesn't allow us to be successful just so that we can live the rich lifestyle. Enjoy life. Take care of your needs and enjoy. God doesn't, he's not against you enjoying life. But you see, the reason that we earn all we can and save all we can is because of the third thing, which is what? Give all you can. There's actually, by the way, one version of the trilateral that people think is even more accurate. It doesn't say give all you can. You know what it says? Give all you have. We don't like that one, so we change it to this. 
give all. Do you remember I told you he made $1.5 million one year? He gave away 98% of it that year. He lived on 2%. Still a good chunk of change. But he gave away nine. If God gave you $1.5 million, would you give away 98% this year? Get ready for this. Get ready. This is amazing. I told you that he believed that Christians, because of our walk with God and because of our, the way we think and being led by the Spirit, should be the most productive people on the planet. Over the course of his life, this man earned the equivalent of over $30 million. And when he died, he had a few books and some coins in his pocket. And that was it. Because over the course of his life, he gave it all away. Every dime. In fact, the very last week of his life, you know what he was doing? At this point, what does he run? Somebody do the math. 88, 89, something like that. You know what he's doing? He's going door to door asking for collection for the poor the week he died. He'd given all his money away. And he still wanted to help the poor. It says that when he died, he died with a smile on his face. Gathered with his friends and family around. And with a great big smile, he just looked at them and said, farewell. And he went home. $30 million. A few books and a few coins in his pocket. I hope God blesses you. I hope you use the the knowledge and the intellect and the brains that you have and the abilities and some of you are so gifted incredible what God is going to do through you. I look at you and I, I look at myself at that age and go, I, these, these students are so far above who I was and what I could do. Oh. And I hope that God blesses you unless it's going to destroy you and then I want him to keep you poor. You see, more than wanting to see you successful, I want to see you in the kingdom. We've got a lot of celebrating to do for all eternity together. We can't do that if you're not there. You've got to keep the main thing the main thing. And as God brings you these blessings... As God uses your intellect, your knowledge, your personality, as he brings you all of these great and good things, you will have a choice. Remember that they belong to God anyway and use them for his glory and benefit. Or to lie to yourself and think that it's all you and it's all yours and you can do what you want. A lot of people believe that lie. but it's a lie that will lead you where you really don't want to end up. So as your pastor, here's my prayer. That God would bless you abundantly. 
unless it's going to destroy you, then I want him to keep you poor. That you would understand the priorities, that above everything else, you would keep the main thing the main thing. And that God would help you earn all you can and save all you can while still providing for your needs and enjoyment of life so that you can give all you can. And I hope that one day when you die, and this may not be the most life-affirming thing to tell you on this particular day, but you are going to die. But it's with a smile on your face because you know you're going to meet your Lord and there is nothing between you and Him. And He can look at you and say, well done. You did it right. And now we want to have a special time of prayer for you. We've got just a few minutes, and we're going to dismiss and go eat cake, because that's what we do. That's what we celebrate, right? We eat cake. They've got some tables set up, but I would like the four of you to come forward right now, or the, the seed, and where is, Kelsey's here, good. And Mike, are you here? Mike, I need you up here. Come on, let's pray for you. We'll end the service with the church surrounding you, and then we will be dismissed to go celebrate. Church, on your feet. Let's get around these people and pray for them. And Matt, I'm going to ask that you would pray for them collectively, please, as you will close us in prayer. Let's turn around. Great job. Congratulations. It's just the beginning, though. I'm excited about what God is going to do. Excited to be part of it. And we just want to send you out with the blessing of the church in the name of Jesus Christ. Pastor. Would you pray a blessing, and then we'll go eat cake. Well, Father God, I'm so excited for these men and women up here, and uh, just the way that we've seen your fingers at work in their lives, God, and just get them to be just super proud of them, God. We're excited for them. And we know, God, that you've got some massive adventures in store, God, that you want to reach people through their lives, that you want to use their servants' hearts, God, and, and love on them. And amen. Congratulations. Boy, it is great to have you guys here. It'll be exciting to hear what happens in school. I'm, if somebody could pay me to be a student, I'd do it. Thank you very much.